Thanks for checking out the Community Recap Podcast, where there's no cap and all truth. As we discuss various aspects of the Christian life and look back to our past Sunday sermons to discuss what we can learn from them. Let's tune into this week's episode of the Community Recap Podcast. Hey, welcome into another episode of Community Recap. As always, I am your host, Seth, alongside Pastor Adam, and we are so excited to be joining you for another episode today. Um, Before we jump in, we would love for you to interact with us uh, however you see fit, uh, whether that's uh, reviewing the podcast, subscribing to it, uh, adding it to your library on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts, Uh, but also leaving a review helps, uh, as well as sharing it out sharing it gets out. those algorithms going it gets gets the rhythms going gets the rhythm um but also um a good way to interact with you personally is sending us any type of questions could be theological could be fun questions could be sports yep. could be just anything anything and we would love to answer those anything. live on the podcast except math i don't want yeah we don't want school any stuff. any math questions whatsoever right uh but you can do that by emailing us in at recap at communitybaptist.org. All right. I think we got a good show. We're it, back. Can we refer to it as a show? I guess mm-hmm. it is in a way. Yeah. We got a good podcast today, yeah. I think. It's a it's a touchy subject today. Um marriage yeah. is yeah. um um man, it's a big deal in society today. Just yeah. with everything. Marriage, uh, divorce, remarriage. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot that goes into all of that. But before we jump into it, as always, uh, how's your life? How was your trip to Branny? Oh, um, it was fantastic. Tell it was us a fantastic. little bit about it. Was good. It, was trip. A quick, it was a quick one, just a quick little jaunt. Uh, what? Jaunt. A little jaunt up to uh, uh, Dixon, Missouri, which is about an uh, hour and a half away from Branson. Yep. Um, stayed uh, with my in-laws. Um Thursday night, got up Friday morning, it was Ava's 10th birthday Friday, drove over to Branson, went to um, the Titanic Museum, it was really good, me and Grace yeah. have done it once before, uh, but taking the kids through it, I really enjoy it, they do a great job. How long can it. you keep your hand in the water? Uh, I didn't do it very long because I just didn't want to, um, I just didn't Bro, really want to. Bro, it's cold. It is cold. It, it is, cold. is cold. It is It is cold. And so I can just only imagine mm. what it, those individuals were going through, submerged, you know, uh, fully in, in the water. Yeah. I mean, just brutal. Brutal. Um, great. It really was a good, it really is a, is a cool museum. If you've never done it and you're in Branson, I think it's worth going through. I yeah. think you would enjoy it, especially if you like history and those types of things, which I do. And so uh, we had a great time going through that. And then we jumped over uh, to uh, eat lunch at a restaurant I will not name because it was awful. <laughs> uh, it was not good. Oh, no. oh man. Yes. I was was like, it one of them hole in the walls? Well, kind of. Yeah. And my father-in-law. Let me try to guess heard, it. What, what my father-in-law had heard that it <laughs> was it's like a seafoodish kind of. Uh, I would say primarily it's probably seafood, um, mm. but uh, he had heard from somebody else how great it was. Well, we got over there, and I mean to tell you, it was not. So we we did lunch, uh, disappointed in in the lunch. You left uh, hungry, uh, man. I tell you, 
Uh, and then we did uh, a little bit of time at the Branson Landing, just a, just a little bit. Uh, Avery wanted to do Build a Bear, and so we did. Oh, a, see, that was gonna I was gonna ask. We did a Build a Bear. You got her a present and a trip. Well, y- yes, I guess in a way. Okay, in a way, I guess. So, I guess that was Ava a part won. of the trip. I Ava guess. One uh, was she got to do the the Build a Bear, uh, and then. We went to Big Air Trampoline Park yeah. and rock climbing yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of facility, uh, and that was really cool. They loved that. They had a really good time there. Uh, then we ate uh, right next door at Billy Gale's yeah. for dinner. And, their breakfast uh, is spot on. Yeah. Yeah, I did <sighs> breakfast for dinner. I did oh, yeah. their, their grits special. Fantastic. Yeah, it was great. So then we went back home uh, to my mother-in-law's house, stayed the night there, uh, chilled a little bit Saturday and came on back. But on the way home, we stopped at the Precious Moments Museum. Oh. Have you ever done that? No. Grace has always wanted to do it. It's in Carthage, Missouri. Okay. Uh, always wanted to do it, and I, I'm always like, nah, we ain't doing yeah. that. Like, I'm, it's usually on the way home. I'm tired from the home. trip. I'm ready to get home. But I'm just like, we're going we're gonna to do it. Yeah. My baby wants to do it. We're uh-huh. going to do it. Uh-huh. And I'm so glad we did. It was it was really cool. What, what it was it, really cool. How they make them? Do you know anything? A little bit. Yeah, it's my little, mom used to collect them. Yeah, it's yeah. a little bit about how they make them, the story, the history. Yeah. There's a museum of kind of just the progression of the, the gentleman. Uh, but he's got a chapel uh, that he's, it's, for lack of a better illustration, like a Sistine Chapel where he's painted on the ceiling, he's painted on the walls, oh, cool. kind of in precious, precious moments. Yeah. So one side of the wall is like Old Testament um, stories, and on one, the other side of the wall is New Testament stories from Scripture. And in the front, it's a picture of what he kind of pictures heaven will be like through the eyes of a child. And so it's like this scene of heaven, and it's it's huh. really cool, uh, and it's yeah. really well done. And then they got this cave that is kind of off to the side. And I hate to ruin this for everybody because I thought that the, the fact that they didn't tell you what it was was really cool. But they're like, hey, if you go out here, uh, there's a cave that is on the property. And the gentleman, I can't remember his name now, uh, kind of uh, fixed it up. And so go check it out. Well, he made it look like the empty tomb. And there's these crosses and there's the empty tomb and it was. Just, I wasn't suspe- expecting yeah. that. And it was a really cool moment. It really was. Just time for us to kind of thank the Lord for uh, His provision of yeah. uh, the sacrifice yeah. of Christ. So it was good. I'm glad we stopped. It, it was really worth it. And it's free. It's totally free. It's a great experience. If you're ever around that way, I would encourage you to to stop by. I think the kids would love it. Uh, Did you get kids, a precious moment? I didn't. Do they um, have like a gift shop or something. They do. They have a great gift shop. Um, but we had just been in Branson and uh, did build a bears and stuff like that. So, so my question is, did Ava survive the Titanic or die? So Ava survived. Oh, there you go. Ava survived. In fact, I want to say Ava survived. Tyler survived. Yeah, he did. And AJ survived. But I think they get, they all got kids and most of the kids survived. The Titanic because they got on the lifeboats. Right. Um, I did not. I, what I was died. Your name? Do you remember? Oh man, I, I I don't. Yeah, I don't remember my my guy's name. I was thirteen. Uh, my mom and my my sister and baby brother made it out, but me and my dad, man, we were in the icy Toast. waters. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. You were thirteen. We huh? didn't make it thirteen. Yeah. 
13 didn't make it. It's always a cool element of the Titanic. Right. No, it's a great deal yeah. that they do. Where yeah, it's they, fantastic. Um, I, again, I, I, it was a good weekend. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, celebrating my baby girl turning 10. So it was good. It's good. What about you? What did you get into this weekend? Man, uh, we didn't get really anything. Um, it's good. Just a chill, <laughs> just a chill weekend. Yeah. It's good. Just kind of chilled. Um, Georgia actually went to a cheer clinic last oh, night. Oh, is she getting excited the, about that? The Kawita cheer clinic. Yeah. She's starting to kind of, I don't know. I mean, yeah. she took probably the first 20 minutes like not doing anything real scared. Yeah. She, she's it the takes one. a minute. She's got to warm up to yeah. it. Yeah. And so I when she that. did, she loved it. Uh, she was doing all the motions. Yeah. And they're displaying all of that at the football game Friday at halftime. Oh, nice. So we'll be at the Kawita game Friday. Okay. Um, shout out, Tigers. Come on. Uh, come on. Two in a row. They've won two in a row and look good doing it the last Okay. Two okay. So we're two and two. There we go. We're two, two and two. And, here. Ah, man, I'm telling you, yeah. they, they've looked really good last two games. Okay. So let's see. Well, I've, I've, you know, maybe I'll bring my bad luck. Because it tends everywhere nah, I go. Man, you got you got this. Tends everywhere I go, the the, the people lose that I'm with with for. Georgia but, with Georgia cheering. It's going to be good. We'll see if she even makes it out on the field. She will. That's the she will. That's I, the, she's going to surprise. She's going to do great. So so that's. I mean, that's really. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, can't I think of. I don't think the people are aware. There's only maybe three uh, that could be listening that are aware that I've come out of retirement. I'm back out on the field. Oh yes, softball. Yeah. Um, dusted off the old yeah. rust and and came back out and. What's uh, y'all's team name? I take um, way more ibuprofen than than oh, I yeah. ever have. I'm old. I'm old. I figured you out that I am old. Yes. I'm old. I'm I'm an old forty four, uh, and I'm not a very good hitter, uh-huh. and I'm not a very good fielder so anymore. Although I will say, game one, I I I batted a thousand. Okay. This last go around, but I also cost our team probably about 10 runs in the outfield because I couldn't <laughs> track down a fly ball for nothing. Uh, but um, this this week, man, I was great in the field. They put me at second base, and I, I feel like, man, I, that's, your I sweet mean, spot. I, that's it. That's yeah. it. Just put me there. Yeah. That's, I mean, I dominate. Not a ton of running. But, uh, man, couldn't get a hit for nothing. Yeah. Got thrown out stealing home. That's all right. Yeah. At least turned you tried. an ankle and... It was. It was. Uh, do it we was tell everybody that we're trying to get a league together? I think we should. I think. Uh, I think what I'd like to do because this is. There's only a couple of individuals from the church on the team, and there's a lot of other individuals. They're probably upset. I'm on the team because I cost probably, us a lot. Probably. Uh, but uh, it would be great to get a co-ed yeah. softball team church together. League. So if you're interested in that, we'll gauge a little interest. If you're listening, and you're interested in playing a little bit of softball. Uh, recap at community. Uh, Baptist.org. Baptist. That's right. Send it in. Let us know. And we'll uh, build a team out. We'll, we'll build a team out and get involved in a church league of, of some sort, and, and we'll go out and we'll dominate. That'd be fun. Yeah. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. It it's is fun. I will say super, that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Super it, fun. it is fun. Yeah, it is fun. Unless I mean, you get curb stomped, and it's like 20 nothing. Well, we typically do. Right. We typically do. Uh, we played a team last night. They all had, like, we, we just go out. I don't even know what our team name is. Like, I think oh, we would, good. you know, we would. Get a little bit more. Um, Maybe it's the ballerinas. Yeah, the but two but you have to wear. But uh, if you strike, it one out. of the teams we played had all matching uniforms on. And I was like, okay, this probably isn't going to go well. Yeah, we're just out there in t-shirts. Just dinger after dinger. 
Uh, well, but see, the league we play, uh, you can only get one home run per team. It's one up, yeah. Uh, and if you get another home run, it's an out right. to prevent people well, from just stacking the deck. Is it only one? Only one per game. Oh, when I played it, it was three. Only three one, total. Only one per game. From Maybe it's one per inning. I don't know. I, I thought it was only one per game. I think it's a one-up rule. Okay. So, like, if you hit one... You can't hit another one until the other team hits one. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I don't, you can I hit, don't hit home runs. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Nothing so, you have to worry yeah, about. Yeah, it's not. It's not anything that I I necessarily Fence have to worry far, about. It's far, okay. But I haven't oh. struck out yet. Praise the Lord for that. Yeah, I haven't fouled out or struck out. So you don't so, have to wear the tutu. No, I have not. Never wore the tutu one one time. That's good. So, yep. Well, I'm I'm glad everybody knows that. Yeah. So if they see you limping. Uh, we're currently yeah, recording this on a Wednesday night, so at church tonight on uh, September 27th. I've taken my ibuprofen. I feel like I'm a little, little bit better. You were limping earlier. Yes, I was. You were I'm old. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt about it. I'm old. I love it. Um, well, I know since we're breaking news today. Uh, yeah, man, break I'm gonna, it. Go ahead and break some news break to Break it. It's been a long, uh, it's been a long uh, season of... Not having an NFL football team, yeah, in my life, yeah. And I took your uh, your advice on how to pick a team, right? Uh, with just a just randomizer, a, a randomizer app. And so I've never, I've never had a team. I've just followed individuals, yeah, mainly That's Baker right. Mayfield, yes. Um, yeah. But you know, it, at one time it was Andrew Luck. Peyton Manning. Oh, I didn't know you were a big luck fan. Yeah, I thought he was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Peyton Manning, Sam Bradford, you know, like just yeah. individuals, right? Well, now What I got could a team. have been if that guy hadn't got injured? Uh, Sam Bradford was a really good pro quarterback. He oh, just fantastic. couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I mean, uh, Probably one of the best OU quarterbacks to make it into the league. He just couldn't stay uh, healthy. Probably not. Who would you put over him? Well, he had no running capabilities. He was a... Pure pocket he, passer. I know, but he was good. Well, it, he, he may not have made it in the in league. Today's, this, yeah, in today's but he age. didn't play in this league. These he days. still would have been playing you if think he was so? healthy. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe he would have got it. I don't know. Anyways, Anyways I have I have a team, and so uh, I'm officially a fan of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Go Jack. So if you're Duval, if you're Duval, out there, that's right. You know, let me know. Link up. Uh, I love it. I love it. Go Trevor Lawrence. Link up. You know. Yeah, go, go Jazz. That's good, man. I'm I'm happy. I'm happy so for you. So tonight you will see me in my Jaguar hat. Yeah, and it looks good on you. Thank a you. A Jets hat would have looked better, but probably not. Uh, you had also been miserable your whole life pulling yeah. for a team that uh, I'm a Cubs fan. I'm used to it. All right, so we're going to continue with um, our trivia. Um, oh, we didn't man. have we didn't have anybody uh, try to answer the question. Try to answer, but that's okay. Um, for those of you who are wondering. Maybe you didn't submit because you didn't know. Yeah. Uh, the question was, in the book of Philemon, who is Paul's fellow prisoner? Yeah. And his name is, do you know it? Epaphras. Epaphras. Only because you said, I would have said one to miss. Yeah. Because in a way, it's a little bit of a tricky question, but the, the text actually says, uh, but greetings from me and my fellow prisoner and names Epaphras. Yeah. But one's a miss. Uh, was also once missed the thief. Yeah, came to him mm-hmm. while in jail, and that's what preceded the letter being written to say, "Hey, Philly, uh, receive <laughs> yeah. receive onesie back." You know, Philly. Oh, Philly. Oh, Philly. Philly, mom. <laughs> that's right. Um, so Epaphras was the correct answer, but that's okay. Nobody yep. uh, 
Nobody tuned in. That's okay. That, that means you all get it right. That means Success you all get it right. Great for job. a sticker. <laughs> Just come up to him. So and say, instead of doing more uh, trivia this week, we have a question, a listener question. Sweet. And uh, this one is going to be anonymous. Okay. Um, but here's here's the question. Yeah. Uh, and it ties in with the last two sermons we've had really well. Right. And so, um, Pastor, uh, if um, if one spouse is dealing with something in secret, uh, like pornography, uh, are they obligated to tell the other spouse? Um, and then it also says maybe the other option is to work on the issue with church accountability, uh, but not wanting to burden the spouse unnecessarily. Um, so what would you right. say to that? Yeah, I, I think um, you need to uh, share that with your spouse uh, and deal with it in the light. Um, accountability goes really after, I would say. Well, it's a part, it's a part of it uh, because your spouse needs to be one of your accountability partners. Right. Um, you know, as you're struggling, um, it is so important to have that accountability. And the person that's going to be the closest to you, the person that's going to be able to see things. I mean, accountability partners within the life of the church, they're not going to be with you as often as your spouse is going to be with mm. you. And so although they provide a layer of accountability, uh, they're not going to provide the accountability uh, that, your spouse is going to be able to provide just because of proximity, yeah. uh, because of closeness. But right. also, um, I pray that our spouses would show that grace and that mercy. Now, again, that's a tough conversation if there's something like that, especially if there's you know sexual sin, no doubt. such as pornography. Uh, that's going to be a, an extremely hard conversation. Uh, there's definitely going to be a wounding of that. I think sometimes... We want to spare them that that pain, and we want to just move past it, and we want to deal with it, and we don't want it to be in our lives uh, anymore. The problem with that is, uh, again, within the covenant relationship of of marriage, um, you know, we need to we need to be open with with each other, um, not to keep secrets from from one another, uh, and not again. I think sometimes the the mindset is, well, I'm I'm actually sparing that person. I'm mm-hmm. actually it's out of love that I don't say, yeah. and I think that's just a faulty view of what it is that marriage needs to be because they do need to be our confidant. They need to be our accountability partner, and we need to be able to share our struggles with one another uh, and create an environment where we share uh, our struggles and they share their struggles with us. And so I would always encourage uh, that whatever might be dealing with behind closed doors, um, you know, to provide an atmosphere where there's honesty and transparency within the marriage and then invite an accountability. And I don't think it's something to where once that has been exposed, that you need to post it on social media or anything like that. You know, I think you need to be very uh, selective. Sure. Prayerfully um, uh, providing wisdom of who else you allow to come in to be your accountability partners uh, for the sake of the spouse. Uh, Because it is, I mean, that's hard. It's embarrassing. It's, uh, It's something that is difficult to deal with. And so we just have to, 
um, and be cautious with that. But I would always recommend, um, you know, bringing those things to light with your spouse uh, because you're you're sinning against them, too. I mean, ultimately, you're sinning against God, but you are sinning against them. And so you need to confess that to them, you know, especially in something of that nature. Um, but like alcohol uh, or, you know, drugs. I mean, there are times I know where individuals, they had no intention of um, getting caught up in prescription pills or anything like that. But yeah. it became something that was done in secret and they were suffering in silence and they needed that accountability of a spouse brought in. So it may not be sexual sin. It may be some addiction, whether it's food or alcohol or prescription drugs or some other type of drug or whatever the case may be, maybe gambling or financial and, you know, you're, you're maxing out credit cards or whatever and you're trying to yeah. keep that. Because it affects the marriage as a whole, it needs to be confessed and it needs to be dealt with within the marriages as well. Would you, would you say, too, in that light, like if someone is is struggling with that and they uh, don't tell their spouse, maybe they tell other people for accountability or things. Do you think that also could play into like the trust level between spouses? Sure, and and two, you know, especially if I think most people would would look at it and say they're accountability partners. If it's a guy, it's going to be other guys. Yeah. If it's a girl, but you know, sometimes. That's where those emotional affairs start to begin. Mm. Is you're confiding in somebody else of the opposite sex, some, so you know, somebody that is a friend that it doesn't mean anything, but you're bearing your soul to them, and it it starts to produce this uh, kind of emotional tie, uh, and you're leaving your spouse out of that, and so it's just so important uh, for your spouse to be involved in in every aspect of of what is going on, because again, uh, it affects them so greatly. Uh, and two, because you've entered into that relationship with them, uh, they are a valuable voice to be spoken into your life. And again, that accountability is going to come to a greater degree uh, with somebody that's going to be with you more often than, than maybe somebody from church right. uh, that, you know, isn't going to really see up close and personal what, what what's going on. Right. Yeah. So I think in light of that question... Um, you know, it was a good question. That was a great be, question. Very it helpful. is a great question. Um, and I think the heart of that is I don't want to wound my spouse. I just want to deal with yeah, this. Sure. And, and so I understand that the, the heart behind it is not malicious. Uh, oftentimes, uh, I, I don't want them to know this because I I want to get over it and I don't want to wound them. I don't want to, you know, cause unnecessary pain to them. Uh, but... Again, I, I think that oftentimes when we take that approach, it can snowball into yeah. more secrecy and it can snowball into uh, greater levels of dishonesty. And so it's better just to live in the light. Yeah. So in mind or with that in mind, um, we talked Sunday uh, on the topic of marriage and divorce and uh, the covenant that you establish before God and right. that person. Um so we're just going to kind of jump into it. It may not be more of, uh, it, some of it will be the sermon, but but just in general, marriage right. and divorce. Yeah. Um, but uh, you had mentioned at the top, uh, when you enter into a marriage, you need to let your yes be yes, your no be no, um, right. for, because you are establishing a covenant. Um, so 
before we jump into maybe what you had identified as the motivation to get into a marriage and what that should look like, um, I, I kind of feel like it's important, um, maybe in your own terms, I don't know if you know definitions, but what is divorce? When you break it down, right? it's not just a paper that you sign, right? right. What what actually is it and what does it do? Yeah, I think I think ultimately it's the breaking of a covenant. It is uh, the disillusion, uh, the dissolving of a covenant that was established between two individuals and God. Uh, God looks at marriage a, as a covenant, so it's not a piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, although you know, again, civil authorities are are involved in in the understanding of that. I mean, when people get married, you got to sign a marriage license. You right. turn in that piece of paper. Uh, there are legal ramifications of entering into that but beyond the the legal aspect of it is the spiritual aspect of it because god is the definer and the ordainer uh, the institutor of marriage and so when when a divorce takes place uh the two flesh that become one it is uh it is a severing of of that it is um kind of the picture of you know in the Old Testament, when Abraham kind of went through, or God went through in front of Abraham, the the animals that had been sacrificed, and and he went in between them, in basically the saying, "If yeah. I break the covenant, right. this is this is what you could do to me." Yeah, that's a picture of a divorce. It's the separation of what used to be one back in into mm-hmm. two, and so, uh, it you know it is it is uh, God hates divorce. Um, and it is heartbreaking to the individuals that are involved in it to some degree, typically one spouse more than, than the other. But there's still, you know, I, I don't know of anybody um, that typically will, will enter into a relationship of marriage thinking this is going to end in divorce or right. I don't really care yeah. if this ends in divorce. So th- th- there's there's suffering and there's pain as a result of, of that. And in a, in a real sense, it's a hindrance to the gospel as well uh, of, of what the marriage is supposed to proclaim spiritually. And so I think the the core answer is that it is a uh, dissolving of the covenant. It is a breaking of, uh, of a covenant. Yeah. And I think that's hard for some people in today's world to really um, like that word covenant, right? That may mean nothing sure. to the average person. Right. Yeah. I'm, um, but, but the majority, the, it doesn't. The weight and the depth of that, um, explaining that it is a, a covenant. But um, I guess to, to add on to that, a question, uh, maybe the effects of, like, what is a divorce and what does it do? Yeah. What are the ramifications? Of that, because uh, something that you break like a covenant isn't just clean severance. There's no hard feelings, right? Oh, it's messy, right? You know, if you if you really look at kind of the covenant of again going back to the the animals that were sacrificed, usually to display what I'm saying is, if I break the covenant, let this be done to me. It's messy. Yeah, it's bloody. You know, I mean, it is. It takes a toll not only on the two individuals, but if there are children involved. Uh, just the pain that divorce can can cause uh, in the life of our, our, our children, yeah. in the life of our society. I mean, just the way that um, man, it causes so so much grief um, when when those things take place. Um, I mean, it it just trust. Uh, you just think about it on practical levels uh, the wounded party. 
hard to trust people, hard to love people. It can harden people's hearts, uh, and it can cause them, you know, if you're a, a faithful follower of Christ, you pray that if you're going through that, you would stand firm in your faith and that the church would rally around you. Didn't really get into this too much into the message, but unfortunately, you know, the church hasn't always done a great job yeah. of loving individuals that have gone through a divorce. In fact, they can be shamed. Almost. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, you, you get the scarlet letter here. You wear it. You wear mm-hmm. the scarlet letter D around yeah. that. Oh, the divorce. It may have not even been anything you, you, you did. Right. I mean, I'm sure we could all look and say I could have been done different things in my marriage, but there's nothing that we could do. Again, God gives two permissions, not commandments, but permissions, sexual morality. Uh, and if a non-believer walks away, that says, okay, th- those are the grounds that are permissible for divorce. So outside of that, you know, something like the irreconcilable kind of differences uh, kind of take uh, upon marriage uh, should never constitute in a divorce. And so when somebody walks away and doesn't let their yes be yes and they're breaking covenant and the other person is begging like let's get counseling let's yeah. work through this let's let's try to salvage our marriage and they're like nah i'm i'm you know i'm i'm good um then that individual they didn't really have a say in the matter yeah they wanted to continue and i just don't think the church has always done a great job and I, no, when i say church i mean the capital c yeah. church of loving on individuals and um, walking with them through something that's so painful. Not a lot of grace. Shown. Yeah, it's yeah. it's you know it's like a div- I've heard it said it's like a divorce without a funeral. Yeah, uh, a divorce. It's like a death without a funeral. A divorce is like a death I without a funeral. You yeah, you know, and um, there's just pain and there's grief and it lingers and it's uh, again it it just causes so much um, pain and suffering and hardness of heart that. Uh, what Jesus is trying to get us to see is uh, the seriousness we need to take when we enter into a covenant. That's why I think the passage right um, following about yet let your yes be yes and your no be no, no uh, talking about um, just commitment is so important for us to understand in yeah. light of marriage because you are entering into this covenant and you need to guard it and you need to keep it. So that leads me right into a question that I have, uh, and you you had talked about it um, on Sunday, uh, more from the the um, I would say more of the the spiritual side of things, but also practical side of things as far as uh, how we handle ourselves. But that question is what what should our motivation be when we approach marriage? Because like you said earlier. Nine times out of ten, people aren't going to be like, I want to get married to get divorced. Right. You know, you, you have those intentions of, I do want to spend the rest of my life together with this person. Right. Um, and I want to be married to this individual. And so as a believer, you know, obviously you could approach it two different ways, but, you know, we, we follow Christ. And so as a as a Christ follower, how should we approach marriage? Because it is extremely, extremely um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, um, serious, serious. I guess. Yeah, that wasn't the word, but yeah, it right. is serious. So what? What would you? What would that look well, like? Well, I think the first one is you go into it to honor God. Um, if you're going into marriage because the other person provides you a greater stability and security, you got that money. Yeah, got you know, and it may not necessarily be. Uh, 
the sense of somebody's a gold digger, but <laughs> just hey, this. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm. It's it's a little harder. Uh, life is kind of hard by myself. Yeah. Uh, and so this per- person provides a little bit more stability for me. Uh, this person provides a little That's bit like more almost security uh, for yeah. me. Right, but I think there are individuals that yeah. look at marriage, uh, not necessarily even see the person, but the institution of marriage as something that will provide for me stability and security, Yeah, will provide for me you know, companionship, which it is, but if that's what you're primarily approaching, that's very self-serving. Uh, we're If you approach marriage yeah. as uh, this will do these things for me, then I think you're already off trajectory of what God intended marriage to be. Yeah. Uh, and just as in all things, whether we eat or drink, we're to do all things for the Lord uh, and for his glory. And so even our marriages, as we enter into marriage, the primary focus should be, I want to honor God. Uh, God has called me into this union. God has called me into this covenant. And uh, I want to honor God by loving this person as Christ has loved them. I want to honor God uh, by uh, serving them well, uh, being that like Jesus and donning the servant's towel and washing the feet of of my spot. I mean, marriage, when you approach it, should be to honor God. It shouldn't be self-serving in any way. Um, because it is an example of Christ and his bride, the church, and Christ died and laid down his life willingly, when we enter into marriage where you see, you know, prenup agreements are being signed and, Mm. you know, all of these other things, there's a self-serving kind of aspect to a worldly marriage uh, that does not represent what God's intention of marriage was to be in, in, in the first place. And ultimately, it is it is to honor God. It is yeah. to be obedient to him. It is to uh, live out our faith in um, conjunction with the person that we're in closest proximity to. Uh, and that that is, again, just to, just to honor and do his will within that relationship uh, as a testimony of what God is doing in our own lives and an extension. So if you approach it self-servingly, uh, even the fact that, oh, this person— I'm going to get the satisfaction of love from this person. Not that those things should be devoid in in your heart, but if that's your primary approach, you're you're missing out because now you've made that spouse of yours your savior. They're providing security. They're providing identity. They're providing um, strength and those things to you. Well, Jesus is supposed to be that for you. And now you're setting your marriage up for a lot of trouble going forward because you're entering into it uh, to serve yourself, to yeah. use that other person to get those things, as opposed to finding those things already in Jesus, uh, along with your spouse who's finding those things in Jesus and now coming together to honor God and to serve him together as helpmates. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, the, the motivation of, of uh, getting into a marriage is it can be so, uh, skewed, uh, man, because we are people of emotion and we are people of feeling and right. we're people of, uh, I mean, just I, like, it's almost people crave a feeling, you know, sure. you see all these shows and all of yeah. these, uh, reality, the TV. bachelorette, yeah. right? Yeah. That's what we're looking for. And, we're and looking for the, you know, the, the person that's gonna, they want to be decide, our Prince Charming. Yeah. They want to decide be that our, in 
six weeks, eight right. weeks, twelve weeks, and it's like this this isn't feasible. But right. I think the culture, uh, and maybe that's a follow up question: How has the culture uh, endangered or skewed our view of what marriage should look like? Well, I I think we live in a culture of non committal. Uh, nobody wants to make commitments. Yeah. Uh, so the the idea of again a feeling, well, feelings change. Yeah. So. If this pervert, this person is providing a feeling for me, uh, and it's this kind of romanticized movie version of of love, and those feelings start to go away, well, that person doesn't provide those feelings for me anymore. So I need to go find another person to provide those feelings for me, and so the commitment level is just as good as. The feelings are well. Our feelings again; they they change so mm. much, and so we live in a society where individuals just don't want to make commitments. Yeah. They don't understand covenant. They don't understand yes be yes and no be no. They understand, um, you know, experiential um, feelings, and, and those things are so topsy turvy, and things change that you know we don't want to enter into marriage. I mean, how many uh, relationships? Our common law or mm. living together or, uh, you know, I just have never made that commitment to each other to, to be married. And you have those individuals that are serial daters and you have individuals yeah. that are just lifelong bachelors, if you will, that are looking. I mean, you, I'm sure everybody's heard the saying, you know, of well, why would you, you know, sex before marriage? Why would you uh, buy a car without test, test driving, driving it first? Sure. You know, yeah. and and the truth of the matter is. Um, living together is not preparation for marriage. It's, it's preparation for divorce. Uh, you're you're Ooh, not you're not great. you're not preparing for marriage that, in that way. You're preparing for divorce because it's kind of like, well, let me see how this really goes, and if they really meet my standards and expectations, they're going to let you down at some point. And so, if you already go into it with kind of the parachute uh, that I'm going to jump out of this plane as soon as I need to, yeah. What what you're already doing is you're you're not preparing to say how do we fix this plane as we're dealing with the struggles. Let's learn how to fly the plane in the storm. You're already putting in an escape hatch to yeah. say, okay, when things get a little I'm out topsy turvy, I've got my out already built in. And so you're not preparing for marriage. You're not you're not getting yourself ready for marriage. You're getting yeah. yourself ready for divorce is what you're getting. Yeah, that's tough. Because there's a lot of people. I mean, what would you say to the person? Because I've heard it said, um, uh, well, it's just papers. Right. I don't want to sign. It's just papers. We're married. It's just papers. Right. We're married in the eyes of God. Yeah. What, I mean, what would you say? I mean, because sure, aren't, aren't I we mean, supposed to respect the laws of the land? Aren't we supposed yes, to abide and, by? Yes, and that's, that's ultimately what the, you know God's Word says in, in Romans yeah. 13, that we're to abide by the laws of the land, as long as those laws are not contradictory to God's laws. So... You know, if they they put a law in place says that uh, you can murder unborn children, uh, we would reject that and say, yeah, that may be a law of the land, but that's not a law of God. Every life is precious, uh, and we're not going to do that as human beings, so we're not going to go with those laws. But laws that are civil laws that the land say speed limits, uh, you know, don't 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 tax drink and drive. You know, those things are things (laughs) that we we submit ourselves to. Uh, and out of respect, because God has put those authorities in place over us for for whatever His sovereign reason is for that, 
that we submit to that. So because that is the, the law of the land, then, yes, we should follow through with that and say. Uh, so what if the individual says, well, I'm not signing papers? I, I don't know that again. Like it, you said, when eyes of God, right? In the eyes of God, we're 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 married. Um, again, you're not being obedient to what God's word says because He says you need to submit to those authorities, and so you're saying you know better than God, right? You're you're saying that I don't have to apply all of God's word to every area of my life, and uh, I think He would speak differently to that. Uh, and that we should uh, follow through with that because uh, it is important to honor God's yeah. word in every aspect. Yeah. Okay. So, say uh, you know we're we're married now, and uh, you know one one of the things that uh, kind of you know the more I think about it, I'm like I don't know if that's true, but you know like when you first get married. Um, and people see you, and you're in love, and you haven't really argued or fought, and you know you're yeah. just in the "quote unquote" honeymoon, honeymoon stage. stage. That's right. Stage, yeah. right? Uh, to me, I think that's a bu- bunch of hogwash, um, unless they mean it within like you don't want to kill each other yet. But right to me, like, why can't you live in the honeymoon stage your whole? Marriage? Yeah, we should. You know I mean, what that's I mean? what we should. I mean, the because. It, that initial commitment it is that, hey, I will see you through. Uh, there, yeah. there is a lot of grace that is extended. Uh, there is a lot of forgiveness that is extended. There is a lot of, I want to serve this person well. And so there is a lot of kind of going the extra mile for that person. But then, unfortunately, three or four years in, you know, even sooner, uh, uh-huh. it can be, yeah. you know, again, much more of a transactional yeah. uh, type situation. Where it's, you know, I do this, so they need to do this. And mm. if I mow the lawn, they need to do that. And if they're Comparison. not holding up to their end of the bargain, you know, then yeah. uh, my love starts to wane for that person. My respect for them starts to wane. And uh, But early on in the marriage, it's kind of like, well, I just do that out of love because I love you. And I'm, I want to take this off of, you know, off of you. Yeah. And so I do think it's imperative that we continue. And, and it is... Uh, it's something we have to fight for because the flesh will get us to settle and the flesh will get us to say we deserve more and they're not doing enough to meet our needs and this and that and I'm doing more. And again, we fall into that counting of uh, points and it's a score system and now it's a competition of who's the better spouse. And yeah. um, that's not healthy for, for our marriages. And oftentimes I think that starts to lead us down the road uh, that unfortunately, if left unchecked, can end up because uh, no, nobody wants to be in a competition every day where you come home and now you're having to deal with um, penalties being thrown. You didn't yeah. do this and uh, red cards being thrown, yeah. whatever the case may be. And so uh, that it's only going to lead you to further division. And it, again, left unchecked, the devil comes into that division and creates even a wider gap that oftentimes can end in the breaking of that covenant. So what what would you say are the marks of a, a godly marriage then? You know, like, because um, I think, I mean, you can be in a honeymoon phase your whole marriage. You know, sure. you can love your spouse well. You can serve them well. And it can be the best time yeah. of your life, you know. So right. uh, what are those marks maybe um, uh, applicable that we could uh, maybe give to the listeners that, that they could implement if they're not already? Yeah, I I think... I think there are a lot. I mean, serving is 
is definitely one, serving each other, uh, putting the other person's needs before your own uh, is is something that is a mark of a godly marriage. Yeah. Uh, I know that, and, you know, these are things that as the husband, I need to do a better job of leading out on. Um, but sometimes I can justify, you know, I've been at church all day. I've been, mm. I'm, I get home, I'm tired. I kind of want to just veg out and man, I just, I kind of disengage and you know, that's, that, that's not good, right? That's not what the Lord wants from me. But I've found that Grace and I, our, our marriage is so stronger when I'm leading out, uh, to say, Hey, before we go to bed, we're going to pray. Yeah. Like what's on your heart? Let, let's pray. And so having that spiritual intimacy together where we're praying together, we're bearing our, our hearts and our souls before one another, before the Lord, uh, man, it's, it's such a powerful thing and, and draws us closer to one another, uh, draws us closer to God. And so I would say one of the greatest things you can do uh, in your marriage or can do um, you know, for your marriage is to pray together. Uh, to spend time not just praying for one another. Hey, I prayed for you today. Oh, praise the Lord for that. But pray with with your spouse. Yeah. Um. And and really go before the Lord together. Read yeah. God's word together. You know, study God's word together. Connect on that spiritual level. Um. When you're in the car after the service, hey, what did the Lord speak to you today? What did the Lord show to you today? Uh, I always go back to Adam and Eve. Uh, before the fall, you know, it says that they were naked and unashamed. Mm. And that's not just talking about physical nakedness. Uh, it's talking about that they were just transparent before each other, that everything was laid bare yeah, before each good. other. Their thoughts, they connected on an emotional level transparently. They connected on um, a spiritual level and a, a mental level. And we need to make sure that we have all of those aspects in play that, uh, with our spouse, and I think in essence that is a way of just uh, being being uh, that helpmate that the Lord wants us to be because we are open. We're not disconnected. Yeah. He wants us to be as connected as possible. When we think about the new covenant, we see Christ isn't withholding anything from us. He gives himself completely for us, uh, and as a result for us, again, with the illustration of marriage being Christ and his bride, the church, then we need to lay ourselves bare and completely surrender to uh, our spouse as we can. And uh, that's only going to strengthen our marriage. That's hard, man. Sure it is. I mean, our flesh doesn't want that, right? right? Yeah. Our flesh doesn't really want to be known. It it wants to be known as much as we want known. Uh, And that's why Instagram is so big. That's why, you know, social media is so big. It's because I can filter it out. I can present to you what I want to present to you. Uh, and I can filter out all the other things. And if we do that in our marriage, one, they know, <laughs> like I, I, I know, um, because <laughs> I see, yeah. uh, and, and it really doesn't allow us to truly connect with that person. It's just connecting with an image of that person that they've created and they want us to see. And really that prevents the other person from uh, experiencing what God wants them to experience because it's in our brokennesses and it's in our faults and our failures when we experience grace, not only from God, but from other individuals uh, that does draw us closer to one another. And so when we prevent that uh, from our spouse experiencing, then we're really building a wall in between us 
that creates something that is fictitious and that wall just grows bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to saying, you know, I want to be fully known and I want to know you fully. And that's flaws and warts and everything in between because that's who I am. And as God is wa- working through through me and on me through the sanctification process, uh, our spouse is there to, to help hold us accountable, to encourage us, yeah. to strengthen us. Uh, and we don't get that when we, we, we don't allow ourselves to be fully surrendered to, and I think, to our spouse. I think that's one of the biggest things the enemy does. Oh, you know, your spouse is going to condemn you for what you've done. or Right. You know, like, I, they're not even going to be able to look at you. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, unfortunately, there are individuals that that happens to just because right. we're all flawed people. But, um, and if you're, if you're walking with the Lord, I, I just... I don't think that would be the case. Right. You know, I think that your spouse would be understanding, uh, but know that you're yeah, going to have to work be, through they whatever They could be hurt, right? Yeah, doesn't mean they won't be hurt, but yeah. you pray again that my yes is yes. So when you, did you really mean for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, yeah. the good times and the bad times? Because we all know in life, we're going to have some bad times. We're going to have some times that are really difficult. Yeah. And maybe we respond in a way that is not godly and we have to go to our spouse and say, I mean, I confess, I, man, yeah. I apologize. I, I, sh- I shouldn't have did, did what I did. I shouldn't have said what I said, whatever the case may be. Uh, we need to live with that transparency uh, before the Lord and before our spouse and, and really before everybody else as well. I think it's healthy for, for people in marriage too, to, um, not have this, um, unrealistic expectation on your spouse that you need to have a healthy understanding that your spouse is going to fail you at, at some point. Sure. You, you, they're not, they are not they're perfect. Not they are not someone who is going to meet every single need, every single, uh, burden, whatever it may be. And so knowing that like you have to, you have right. to come into a marriage or if you're in the marriage, you have to understand that, um, it's almost healthy to, to be like, you know what? I know things are going to happen. I but but it's also, hey, we can prevent that. We can also help in that. What are those things that we can do to build up uh, barriers, uh, guardrails, or whatever it can be? I mean, you can prevent yourself from certain things, but knowing, hey, I'm I'm a simple person. I'm right. going to mess up. Yeah, and not holding your spouse on this pedestal of, well, yeah. I married you because when we dated, you never did any. You know, right. Like, we're gonna let, especially sure. dudes. I mean, we're just we're we're dumb. We're just dumb dudes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not. so well, except for you. Right. Um. Okay. Well, any last encouragement? Uh, maybe uh, for for those that are married and um, something you'd you'd want to say? Uh, just in regard to uh, maybe encouragement, just to keep on keeping on. Um. Yeah. Don't I, give up. I I think for those that are you know currently married live your life at the foot of the cross live your marriage at the foot of the cross um each day uh get rid of those expectations that your spouse is your savior yeah uh, that they should be jesus for you jesus is jesus uh, don't put that on anybody else and you know don't let anybody put that on you either uh we need to point people to jesus yeah. he he is uh, the Redeemer, He is the Savior, not not our spouse, not anybody else. And so, um, if there is going back to the question, if there are some things that you need to confess to your spouse, as hard as that conversation is, do it. 
do it. Confess, confess, get that that sin confessed. Start the 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 process. Um, if you're that wounded spouse, don't try and deal with those wounds alone. Uh, but don't you know? It's again. I don't think it's just as easy to say if somebody comes to you and say, "I've been looking at pornography." To just say, oh, well, that's okay. I, you know, we all, yeah, yeah. and I get that's not realistic. Right. There's a wounding, there's a, there's a pain, there's, there's some trust that has to be, but it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, but it is worth the, the hard work, uh, if your spouse has done that, uh, to work through the forgiveness process. Now, again, there, there's work that has to be done. But it is worth it. Yeah. It, it is worth it. And and your marriage isn't doesn't have to be over because of it. It can actually be healthier than it's ever been as you work through well, those and, things. And what a testimony it could be. Right. Yeah. And I know there are some individuals that that is their story. Yeah. Is that, man, there was great betrayal within the marriage. Uh, there was a lot of work that went through the rebuilding of that. Uh, but yet now they, they stand stronger and they've got a, a, a testimony of what God can do. Uh, through the confession, repentance, and forgiveness, reconciliation process that God leads us through in those, those, those areas. And then I think for those that, you know, have experienced divorce, uh, just knowing that um, God doesn't reject you, God doesn't forsake you. Uh, there is, uh, you know, through, through repentance, if you were the, the, the party that um, was responsible for the divorce, um, established, uh, initiated the divorce, then um, just know that you know, even though God takes that extremely serious uh, and, and sees it as such, uh, there is forgiveness. It's not the unpardonable sin yeah. uh, that he is a redeeming God. He is a restoring God. Uh, he is a forgiving and a gracious and a merciful God. Uh, and, and we didn't really get into it a whole lot. But when you think about remarriage, I mean, it's a it's a pretty strong statement when Jesus says that Whoever divorces his wife makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. That's a strong statement. Yeah, That's a very strong statement. And so I know we didn't really get into it a whole lot. And again, I'm not going to get into it a great deal Yeah, because you can't deal with every situation because there are going to be some facets of somebody's divorce and remarriage that are different than other people's divorce and remarriage. But I think at the heart of that is the seriousness that, Jesus was trying to point them to that, uh, listen, this is a covenant that was established and you need to honor it because the breaking of that uh, and the dissolution of that is is the breaking of a covenant. And so to in, enter into another covenant with, with somebody else, um, I mean, that, that there needs to be some dealing with. Uh, of that. And what Jesus says is if you're divorced and remarried and you've been divorced for other grounds than sexual immorality or a non-believer walking away, um, then you really need to examine remarriage. And if you've been remarried, God, it's not that that marriage is, is cursed. I mean, that's, that's Grace and I's story. For those that don't know Grace and I's story, and, you know, she she gave me permission to share Sunday. It didn't really quite kind of come out in the time that we had, but, um, you know, she was married for 18 years and, um, she had biblical grounds for divorce. Um, she tried to salvage the marriage. Uh, he walked away from, from the family. He walked away uh, from her and Jaden 
And uh, Grace and I got married, uh, remarried. Uh, Grace has been remarried. Um, you know, it's my um, first wife. Never been married be- before, and will never be married again. I mean, yeah. that's my that's my baby. My baby. Uh, that's my baby. Uh, but um, you know, I took it very serious. Like I went and got counseling from uh, Pastor Nick about you know, man, am I? What do I do in this situation? Like I feel like God is calling me. Uh, but I don't want to enter into a marriage and, and, you know, be committing adultery or whatever the, the, the case may be. And, you know, talking through the, the specific scenario that we found ourselves in, uh, felt biblically that that was not the case. And yeah. so, um, you know, everybody's story is a little bit different, but even if it is outside of those parameters, your marriage isn't curse. It's not under a curse. Um, there's forgiveness, there's healing. I think there's blessing upon that when we honor the covenant that we are in now in a way that uh, does honor God. Yeah. And so I would encourage those individuals that might be dealing with any kind of guilt or shame because of divorce. If you've repented of that sin uh, and you've asked God for forgiveness, he's extended it to you. You are redeemed. You, you, you are forgiven. He has extended grace to you. Don't let the devil keep you um, trapped in that shame and that guilt. Uh, God has called you clean, uh, and you just need to live your life in a way that honors God within this new marriage. Uh, but you need to make sure that, listen, we're not going to break this covenant. Uh, there, there is nothing that's going to yeah. come that is going to break this covenant. You need to honor this covenant uh, for the glory of God. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's all you got. That's all I got. Um, it's a touchy subject, but um, it is. But you know, we need to talk to about those so, things. Yeah, yeah. We, we we do, and I I I do get. I think that's you know, not to belabor, um, but I do think, unfortunately, not only do churches and church leadership tend to kind of steer away from this. Because I do think it is such a touchy subject. And yeah. and it doesn't have to be this. It could be anything that culturally is like kind of taboo. We don't really want to touch on this because it makes people uncomfortable. And I think we live in such a world where church leadership is so worried about offending people and, and people not coming back that they stay away from things that need to be dealt with. And what ends up suffering is the church and, and our communities because— the leading voice on these topics should be the church because uh, we should be proclaiming God's word, dealing with these issues. And when we stay away from it, because it's going to be uncomfortable. And if you stay away from a church because what they're preaching on is uncomfortable, uh, that that really doesn't strengthen the church. It doesn't strengthen the body of Christ. It's not going to strengthen our communities because now we let outside voices uh, that are opposed to God start to speak in on these issues, and they start to inform the worldview of us and our children and our grandchildren, and that just gets propagated more and more and more. And so it is imperative that the, that we address such things, and we address it with candor, and we address it with grace. We address it with, you know, truth, and we address it from God's Word, and we let God's Word speak in as uncomfortable as, as it is. We don't try to change it or alter it. We say, okay, this is what God's Word says. It may it may be tough for me to hear. It may be yeah. tough for me to deal right. with. But 
I need to deal with it. I need to deal with it in the manner that God says I need to deal with it. And then I need to be reminded uh, that he's a gracious God and he's a forgiving God and he's a God worth honoring. And so after I repent, it is true repentance. I forsake the sin and I follow after Jesus and I, I follow him in these areas of my life. And um, I continue to r- run the race uh, that he's laid before me, uh, trusting in him. And so where I've stumbled and I falter, I'm not going to just remain stuck in that. Mm. Uh, I'm going to rely upon the Holy Spirit and I'm going to honor him in those areas of my life where before I dishonored him and I'm going to do it for his glory. And if I stumble again, um, man, I'm going to confess that and I'm going to repent and I'm going to try to follow him as close as I possibly can by relying on the Holy Spirit and building an accountability into my life uh, so that. Uh, I am honoring the Lord in my my uh, my speech and in my deeds. Yeah, mm. that's good. We're gonna end on that one. We see you. We love you guys. Peace out. See ya.